Well, hello out there, everybody in Radio Podcast Land. I just want to let you know it's been a little bit of a long week since we've got out. My voice might sound a little raspy to you. That's because I'm a little bit under the weather. I caught the flu. I've been kind of under the weather for the last five days, but it doesn't matter. We're here to bring you your wrestling news, your wrestling rumors, everything you want to know about wrestling, especially with the big, big wrestling uh, scene that's going on in August. We've got to talk about a lot of stuff for WWE. We're going to talk about some uh, AEW, and we're also going to talk about some NGPW today, which is kind of unique. So welcome to the Rub Wrestling Podcast uh, with uh, you know Matt, Josh, and Chris. Um, big shout out to all you. If you guys want to download and hit a subscribe button for us to help us out, it'd be fantastic. You can hit us up on any of the major um, places where you can actually find a podcast, like Spotify. You can hit us up on you know, Apple. You can hit us up on YouTube, all that stuff. Um, and basically, if you have any questions for us, you can also reach out to us at therubwrestlingatoutlook.com. We'd love to take some questions to go over any of the stuff that you really want to talk about on this podcast because... Right now, we're, we're making up all the content, and if you like it, we'll just keep doing it. But, boys, it's been, uh, you know, a fun couple weeks. Chris, how's life treating you, my friend? Uh, pretty good. Started playoffs in my slow pitch and hardball league. Got two Ws yesterday. Did the old back-to-back, and uh, being 40 years old, I'm pretty sore today. Um what else? I will be going to see Project X Wrestling this weekend. I uh, might not be able to see too, too much of SummerSlam because I'll be there, but I should be back in time for uh, Jake Paul demolishing Nate Diaz. Yeah, that'd be that's actually interesting. I forgot Jake Paul's fighting Nate Diaz this weekend, too. Like, it's it's August is nuts, isn't it? <laughs> Straight up. Busy weekend. Yeah, Josh, what's going on with you, man? Tell us what's going on. Tell us about some hobbies and shit. Let us know. Oh, not not too much is going on. Uh, just, you know, been busy in the garden. The tomatoes are coming around. Looks like it's going to be an epic harvest. Going to have to get my canning going on uh, some. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. Just keeping busy. It's uh, flipped a couple of the beds, and uh, I'm making some black garlic right now in the garage. It's amazing. I just want to let you know the Canagars have been a big hit around these parts. So uh, we're getting a lot of rave reviews. And if we had to give it a Meltzer rating, it's about eight or nine stars. That's what I've been hearing. So straight up for everything like that. But all right, let's get into it. we got a big weekend coming up Saturday. Chris mentioned it already. SummerSlam is on the mend. Um, we're going to talk about a couple of the matches on that card. Uh, but let's start off with one of the biggest matches that we have on that card, which is going to be for the SmackDown Women's Championship. I guess World Championship. It's going to be three of the biggest names in the business. It's going to be Asuka. It's going to be Charlotte Flair. It's going to be Bianca. We're looking at a lot of big matches. We've seen two of these people go off right off the bat. My big question is, Chris, if we're going to go right off, could this steal the show for the, the premium live event or the pay-per-view as we used to call them back in the day? Um, is this going to steal the show from, you know, some of the other matches like Roman and Jay, um, Cody and Brock? Is is this the match of the night, in your opinion? Uh, almost 100%, I can say. I can say that. Uh, love Asuka. Love Charlotte Flair. You know Charlotte Flair is going to put her body on the line at some point, do some crazy moonsault. Asuka's just, Asuka's just your old, reliable, always going to put on a good match. And Bianca's really physical, so I'm actually kind of, I'm excited to see what 
what spots they have specifically for Bianca because she's got the power. And with those two kind of carrying her through it, being veterans as they are, uh, this is definitely, definitely is a show stealing match, if you ask me. Yeah, you know, I'd have to agree with you when you kind of look at that, Chris. I mean, it, there's a, there's so many, it, it's the, the match is so multifaceted with the skill sets that are involved. You got a, a Japanese strong style with Asuka. Um, you got a, a great all-rounder in Charlotte, and you definitely have that power and speed game that's coming from Bianca when you're when you're looking at all the moves, right? Um, I think there's going to be some a lot of creativity in this match. It's going to be a real good one. Uh, Josh, what do you think it is, fact or fiction, if we had to do our fact and fiction like we, we've done in the last couple podcasts? What do you think is going to carry it? Do you think it's going to be the wrestling action, or do you think it was the storyline and the buildup that's going to carry it? Because they're definitely, see, all three of these women want to be at the top of their profession for what they're doing, and there could be a lot of like that kind of you know professional animosity, I like to call it, for everybody trying to get to the top. Do you think it's going to be the wrestling that's going to carry um, it? I think it's going to be a bit of both. They definitely, uh, three of the best uh, women's wrestlers are going to be in the ring. Um, you know, Charlotte Flair uh, would call her the queen of women's wrestling, especially in the modern era. Um, and, you know, Bianca Belair, uh, future, um, if not, like, obviously the present as well, but um, potentially the, the, ne- the next queen. Um, and Oscar just brings that raw physicality and pure wrestling style that um, really can make for an amazing match. I think that the storytelling is going to be fantastic, um, but I think that the in-ring ability is going to be uh, far superior to um, most of the women's wrestling that we've seen recently. Um I'm I'm not super keen on Bianca Belair. I think she's a physical specimen and that she is a wonderful talent. I I'm just not keen on her character, her her who she is as a, a wrestler. I'd love to see her with a huge heel run because I I'd like to get rid of that bubblegum kind of uh, thing that she's got going on. Um, but I think that this is going to be a great match. I'm not sure if it's going to be the best match of the, the night. I hope it is. I really hope that they let these women show what they can do um, and give them the time. But I think that that's part of the problem with uh, how women's wrestling has been booked recently is they're just not getting the time and they're not getting the headlines. And I think that this is something that could headline SummerSlam. Obviously, it's not going to. But I think that like enough is enough. It's time for one of these promotions to book uh, a women's match as a headliner. Yeah, you know, enough is enough, Chris, and it's time for a change, right? I mean, when we're looking at that, classic Owen Hart. And I think when you're looking at a lot of it, I have to agree with you. I mean, I think when you look at wrestling as an art form and we look at it that way, and I think our podcast likes to look at it this way, the reality is is that when you look at women's wrestling, it doesn't get the time it necessarily deserves. And, you know, part of that is due to ratings. Part of that is due to the physicality for some of it. And I'm not saying that they can't. But at the end of the day, we've we've looked at women's wrestling in Japan. We've looked at women's wrestling all over the place. And some of those matches are more physical than the males when you actually look at stardom and a couple of these other places. And so when, when we're going through the matches, and I, I love the big PLEs in WWE because it's almost like they're kind of let off the chain because there's more time that they've given them to go at it, that they have to kind of fill those gaps a lot more. And uh, I think you're going to kind of see what, um, 
you know, that, that athleticism that we're going to see from Bianca, Charlotte, and Asuka in this match is going to be absolutely unbelievable. And I think it's really going to be uh, a top draw event for women's wrestling for the weekend. It's going to be, in my opinion, for women's wrestling, one of the matches of the year. Um, and there's just no doubt in my mind that's going to happen. And I hope we, we see a kind of a slide in that it's kind of going to promote some competition coming out of AEW because we've talked about AEW's women's division and it's it's just it's not quite there. I think the athleticism from some of the wrestlers is there. It's just it's not it, it's it's a different style, right? So I really hope that it does promote some competition. Um, and and even from what we're seeing from some of the the physicality from the the women's wrestling that we're seeing in, out of Impact as well. Um, you know, like we need a big shot in the arm for women's wrestling. I'm, I'm all for it. I think it's a great product and I think it could do really well, but it, it's kind of tough to really get invested in somebody over a five minute span. Right. And I agree with you, Josh, you look at Bianca's character, it's a bubblegum character. I mean, there's a lack of faces. It's, you know, it's, it's, I always say from a heel persona, it's actually probably easier to be an asshole than it is to be a good guy. But I think at the end of the day, I mean, she fits the style, but it would be great to see her have to do something dirty to win this match and gritty and something that's, you know, against her character. And that'll be kind of something that would be really interesting because we looked at Becky Lynch for a long time in that position where she was the face. And when she finally did the dastardly deed and switched over, her character shot to the moon. And I mean, Bianca's already there. The question is, can she take it even higher? And I think that's going to be a real interesting uh, match moving forward. I'm I'm really really looking forward to it, and um, everybody out there in podcast land, you should be too, because that's going to be a banger. So now to Chris's uh, second favorite wrestler. I mean, we're not talking about the first one. We're not talking about Omos right now, but you know, Josh is like second last wrestler that he hates. We're going to talk a little bit about our good friend, not Jake Paul, but we're going to talk about Logan Paul, right? Logan Paul has a really interesting match coming up at SummerSlam with Ricochet. And uh, there's been a lot of stuff. Basically, Logan Paul's punched him out. Ricochet's punched Logan out. It's been kind of like this slap fight going back and forth on on TV, which is kind of interesting when we're looking at it. Uh, The big question that I have to ask for you is that, um, Josh, when you look at all of the people that you could have put together in the WWE for Logan Paul. Is Ricochet the right pairing for him going into a, a match like SummerSlam or a big PLE? Do you think this was the right move for to, to really kind of get Logan Paul to that next step or to kind of get Ricochet to that next step? Do you think this is the right pairing? Um, I'm not sure if it's the right pairing. I think that for sure it's, it's going to be a very physical match. I think that this is a perfect pairing for Logan Paul because he's going to go over hard on Ricochet. Ricochet's for sure taking the pin. Um, I think that part of the problem is that Logan Paul has a losing streak right now and he can't keep on losing and Ricochet is a perfect person to do the job. Um, I think that, uh, you know, the problem with Ricochet is that he's soft on the mic and that, you know, even though he puts out this ridiculous talent in the ring, you kind of get bored of it. Not bored of it. It's just that it's not a surprise anymore. And, you know, the the spectacular uh, moves that he does it's it's just kind of you know like you see it and you're like okay that's kind of it i'd like to see him more of in a hardcore match with those moves because then you know you would see his true grit um i would say that he takes uh ddt's uh the best he takes stuff on his head the the way that he sells moves he should be a better he should be more prominent unfortunately i think he's just undersized and uh you know he's just not as strong on the mic but if he was stronger on the microphone and you know, believable 
um, when he talked, I think that he would get uh, pushed a little bit harder, but he's a perfect opponent for Logan Paul to go over on. Chris, so Josh thinks that uh, Ricochet is going to take the L and that it's, a, it, that it's basically an easy thing. And I kind of saw you, uh, our viewers can't see, but I kind of saw you kind of nod your head like, yeah, that's, that, that's what's going to happen. Um, my question is here, um, if you had to take the loss either with Logan or with Ricochet, who hurts most from taking the L in this match? Because they're almost on a level playing field from what it feels like right now. Logan, because he hasn't had a lot of matches and he's not necessarily there all the time. Like he kind of comes in and out. And, and Ricochet, a guy that's been a company guy for probably the last three, four years, if not more, um, and has been a top draw in, in uh, international wrestling across the world, doesn't seem like he can crack this glass ceiling in the WWE, it seems. Who, who really benefits, uh, or sorry, who, who gets destroyed the most by taking the loss in this match? Um, I, I mean... It's, it won't be that bad for Ricochet. He's expected to lose. I mean, Logan Paul was brought in, given big money, and basically put on a stage. He he wrestled for a title, so like he's already he's already above above Ricochet. So seeing a Ricochet win here, I couldn't expect that. I I think this is just to maybe get Logan Paul looking strong and and looking good and. Uh, setting up, setting up a couple, couple spot monkey stuffs like for a couple big spots in the match because they can do it. Although when we saw Money in the Bank, we did saw them mess up that move pretty bad where Logan could have got pretty hurt. Um, but I think that's what we're, that's what they're going for. Is it's, it's kind of like how we see WWE. There's there was that spot in the Royal Rumble where they jumped from the ropes and they just try to take lightning in a bottle and just keep recreating it. Um, does a loss hurt Ricochet? Not, not any more than any other loss would hurt him because he's not doing anything right now. Uh, would the loss hurt Logan Paul? I, I think it would quite a bit if Logan Paul came in here and had his first singles match. Or well, I guess, I guess on as much of a regular run as we can call it right now for Logan Paul. Um, yeah, a loss here, a loss here wouldn't would not set him up for for uh, for success moving forward. I, I can agree with with the Logan the Logan Paul L coming. If he takes the L in this match, I think it's really hard to really book him. Um, you can really make a case for him having a losing streak and making it real difficult. But the reason I thought that this question was really unique is that I honestly believe that this is Ricochet's last chance. Um, he's being put in a ring with a megastar. He's being put in a ring with a guy that athletically is is extremely gifted. He might not be a guy that's been wrestling for 10, 15 years, but this is about as high-profile match that he's had in since being paired with probably Braun Strowman, which was a weird partnership and a tag thing all the way across. And I, I honestly just believe that this is his last shot at trying to do something where he wants to go. And and I still think in his head that he thinks that he's a WWE champion and you know and uh, like a heavyweight champion or something. Like I honestly believe that he believes that. Um, but if he loses here, I think he's pretty much finished. I think it's going to solidify him as a low mid-carder. Um, it really kind of sets up his status. Yeah, you can do a lot of great moves, but you're you're the guy that the company sees as the stepping stone. And I think like we've seen it happen to Ziggler. We've seen it happen to so many great talents that are great in the ring that push other people. Like it, It's really sad. We're kind of seeing that a little bit with even Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin was probably 
one guy coming out of NXT that we actually thought, man, like in, in a year, this guy could be a heavyweight champion. He looks like a heavyweight champion coming out of NXT and then, you know, you know, doesn't run the gimmick well, buries that gimmick, goes to a gimmick that, you know, the brass really liked and then it ran its course and it was pretty much over. And now he's basically back where he started and now he has this pirate theme that's fucking stupid and I don't really understand it. But um, that's just the reality of what it is. I mean, this is, I think this is Ricochet's last, last shot, in my opinion. And I, I, I'm with you guys. I think Logan wins this match. I think Logan goes over, and I think he goes over hard, and it's going to set up something big going into Survivor Series in, uh, clo- to close out the winner. Now. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? You're, you're paying Logan Paul tons of money. He's, you're not paying him tons of money to lose, right? And, yeah, I think there's, there's but, kind of a I mean, falsity to that, though, Chris. I think it doesn't even matter if he does when you're paying Logan Paul for his for his TikTok views, right? You're not paying Logan. It doesn't matter if he wins or loses. You're just trying to get people from his large TikTok following to 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 buy in and buy buy the network, buy merch, buy whatever they need to get him in. It doesn't matter. Like to me, it doesn't matter if he wins or loses. But if you want to use him as a star, that's going to try and get somewhere in the next year or two then you got to start building them on the wins, right? Like, that's just, like, I'm with you guys. That's the reality. But I, I think you could book Logan Paul to be 0-10, and 10, and he, they, the WWE would still win on whatever money they're paying him because they're just, he, they're going to get more money from him, right? And He fights Roman Reigns, but when he fights Ricochet, he has to win because you can't lose to a guy like Ricochet because then you're buried. Like, agreed. that's how I look at it. It's like it's like what they just did to Matt Riddle, right? Like, they buried him by having Kaiser beat him, and Kaiser's a good wrestler, but he's a, like, he's not, he's supposed to be the guy that takes a loss for Gunther, not the other way around, right? Like, so when they do something like that with Matt Riddle, they're going to do this with Ricochet. I agree with you, Matt, that it's for sure, you know, this is Ricochet's last draw, and then that's fine. Send him to AEW. I'd love to see him in there have some fucking bangers well i mean i even think of the days well, like chris look- i don't know how much like josh i don't know if you watch lucha underground at all but you know what like i think there's a, a way to go back and watch it and it was seasonal kind of like netflix seasonal and uh he he was the world champion over there like you know he used to be sema when he was out like i think he was sema i think that's who he was when he was out there and you know like and sema was 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 basically fighting all the way across mexico he was fighting all the way in puerto rico he was like he fought the guys fought everywhere and he just can't seem to get a break in these mains he takes off the mask he's a good looking guy and he just you you've said it all the way through he never had to develop promo skills and because he can't have those and he's not believable on the mic he, he just can't cut it He's got all the in-ring ability, in my opinion. It's just, um, that's just the reality. But, yeah, I, I think that's what's, uh, I th- I'm with you guys. I think Logan's going to take it. So, um, I just and thought really, it was a unique re- question. Really right? hard, r- really hard to build, like, to build up, build up rivalries when Ricochet, like, Ricochet's main thing is, is what he can do in the ring. It's in the indies, he... And he was he was part of when Triple H cleaned out the Indies. That's the only reason he was there. And then now we're seeing that because he's just he's stuck in random random things where they're trying to force a mic into his hand, and he's just like he's getting destroyed by Logan Paul on the mic. But it's like I also find that when you kind of look at like these one name one name shows, like he's like kind of like Ricochet and like like to me, if you look at Ricochet and you look at Ricochet and then you look at Axiom in NXT, right? 
like Axiom is like uh, you know a kid from uh, you know NXT UK, and he's he's also a world renowned star. Can do all the flips and kicks and everything. But there's a big difference because Axiom wears a mask. But you have this guy that doesn't wear a mask, and we know that he has a real name, but his name's Ricochet. And so I think he loses a lot of build-up with just his name. And I felt it was the same way with Neville. Like, I never understood why WWE got rid of Neville. Like, and, and Neville goes back to Unless Pac, your name is Sting. It's kind of the same one thing. I find the one-name thing you know, is just kind of really yeah. stupid. It's just my honest opinion. It just it doesn't create a, a believable character unless they're wearing a mask. or Like, dude, there's a guy that fights on on AEW, his name's Gravity, for God's sakes. Like, I don't know, like, if you're looking at my face right now, it tells it all, like, Gravity. And he does, and he does an astronaut walk, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> Correct, like, we're not in the, the 70s or 80s anymore, right? Like, we're, we can't all be Taurus or whatever it is, or Black Taurus. Well, you've... You have cameras everywhere. Kayfabe's dead. Yeah, so. yeah, I hear you. Anyways, we're going to bring ourselves to um, p- the possible main event of, of SummerSlam. I never like to say what the main event is or what it is because um, it can change back and forth. We don't run the cards. But one of the, one of the top matches is going to be definitely Roman Reigns and Jey Uso. I know we've kind of talked about this before and we've kind of talked about, you know, what are the opportunities of Jey winning um, and all this stuff. I just want to kind of keep this question nice and simple. Guys, is this going to be a good match or what? Are we looking at uh, a stud or a dud when we're talking about Roman Reigns and Jay and whatever this gimmicky tribal combat match is, whether it's probably no DQ or some Tonga, I don't even know, man, Samoan death sticks come in or whatever, whatever the hell happens. Chris, what are your thoughts? Uh, I think it's going to be a stud. I think uh, I think it's been building up. It's been building up. They've been making like this is this is uh, this is a uh, the run of the lifetime for Jay. So like this is it's amazing. So I think he's gonna bring it. Um, I think I think we've seen what Roman can do with Sami Zayn. He can make somebody look good. I I think it's gonna be a stud. I think it's gonna be a match. I I, I really hope. What I really hope is that there's a lot of storytelling. There's a lot of we're family going on during this whole thing. Um, I'm just hoping it's a it's even even if the in ring stuff isn't great, great. I'm just hoping that the storytelling. I hope they both they both give it their all in the storytelling aspect of it, and that that would be my favorite thing. I I don't care who wins as long as as long as it it looks good and it's entertaining and I think they have a they have a real chance to make something really good here. I have to agree, you know. I think you kind of look at that scenario and it's kind of there is that family aspect and there's a couple different things that are really kind of coming out when I'm thinking about this questions and questions from when we kind of go to do the show, right? Like Josh, my next question for you is there's there's a couple of X factors in this match. I mean, which is Paul Heyman and Solo Sokoa. And so you know, Solo's had even in a lot of the uh, you know the family meetings and the in the beatdowns of Jay and Jimmy numerous times. Solo's been the one that's kind of going through. Do you think Solo kind of gets his comeuppance, or do you think Solo ends up being the person that's going to kind of run away with this match and be kind of the the main part of the story after this match? What are, what are your thoughts on that? 
sure what's going to happen with Solo. I, I mean, I think that Roman's going to win, so it's hard to think that Solo is not going to interfere and stay on Roman's side with just me feeling that Roman's going to win. I, I don't. Maybe Roman wins clean. Um, you know, I've I've also you know thought that there maybe there's a chance we see Rikishi show up, um, or maybe Jimmy Uso comes back from injury and mm-hmm. there's another swerve there. I just feel like for Roman to win, there has to be a swerve against Jay. Um, and I just don't think Jay is going to win. Now, I mean, if Jay wins, that's great, and maybe Solo turns on Roman. Um, but I just don't think that the WWE is ready to take the title off of Roman. I think the plan would be for for it to be the biggest event, potentially in London, maybe in WrestleMania. I feel like that's the time that Roman might lose, or if he gets hurt. Um, or he might just retire and uh, give his belt, and then he'll retire the champion. I'm not really sure, but I, I can definitely think that... Uh, there is going to be a swerve. Um, likely it will be Solo Sokoa, Paul Heyman, probably all of them. But I, I'd be really happy to see an, a swerve that we're not expecting from someone we're not expecting it from. Whether it be someone from the tribal council or, you know, someone from uh, like a Jimmy. Jimmy Uso turns on Jay, and but I don't see that happening. Personally, for us as wrestling fans, and I'm going to kind of speak for both of you, and it doesn't mean that I do, you can you can call me, uh, you know, you can tell me to stop at any point. But I think that this Bloodline storyline has been drug out to the point where it's like, if this was like a punching bag, all the stuffing is starting to come out of the punching bag. And the only thing that's going to fix said punching bag is by restuffing it by having what you just said, which is a swerve or something addition, an addition to that storyline that is going to kind of inject some energy into it because it's been the same shit since WrestleMania. (laughs) It's just been different. And there's been a 37 minute version of it. There's a version with Roman Reigns, not in it. There's a version with Jimmy Uso, not in it, but it's essentially the same thing. And you know what? It's, it's, I, I don't know if the, the casual WWE fan sees it, I think when you're seasoned and you watch a lot, a lot, I think you see it over and over. But it's like watching the same storyline on a on any TV show that lasts like it, it should have been one season and now it's three seasons and we're still here because we don't want it to end because the ratings are great and you know people are engaged with it. But it's like it's just getting stale. So I think you're right. I think there's gonna have to be some major swerve. And and you know what? To the point is, I don't think WWE wants Roman to lose the title, but. I think it's an option that you almost have to look at. Um, It's the second biggest pay-per-view of the year, other than WrestleMania, and maybe they want him to go to WrestleMania again and and do the Cody Rhodes thing. Maybe. I don't know. But it's like, it it just needs, like, some freshness in it, and I I don't know if what Seth Rollins, and not knocking Seth for anything that he's done in the ring, if having that World Heavyweight Championship has really, you know, taken away... um, you know, Roman having the title for as long as you've had it for for over three years, right? So it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. Um, I'm hoping it's good. I mean, it's a, it's a major event. We're going to see a six-minute Roman Reigns entrance, which we normally will see. Because um, I'm assuming, basically, if you're at the stadium, it's going to be a long walk down to the ring. It's going to be the last time, Josh, I think we were high on mushrooms watching Roman Reigns going down the ring in, in SummerSlam. And it was 11 minutes. It's a good 11 minutes. Hey, hey Matt, I'm wondering, do we see a Damien Priest money in the bank cash? Actually, that's another good option too, right? 
that would be an amazing cash to see that happen and have Judgment Day potentially hold all titles at that point. That'd be probably one of the first. Yeah, I don't see them fucking with the story, time, but it would but... be it, that would be a, a good way to make everything go terribly. I don't think the Damian Priest wins the title off of Roman Reigns though, so uh, I think it would be a cash that causes Jey Uso the win. Imagine that was just kind of a wedge, and then like I I I, I wish and almost and I, I feel bad like for Money in the Bank people that hold it because it's like it's your career in your hands in a way, right? Like kind of fictitiously, but almost in real life at the same point. It sounds really stupid, but I wish more people with the money in the bank would lose the money in the bank. And I think, like, in a lot of cases, like, having a scenario where a priest does come out, and I'm just saying hypothetically for the viewers out there, I'm definitely saying this is very low odds of this happening, but priest comes in, and that's kind of the wedge to the match that really were all the kind of, it's the detonator to the bomb, right? Like, it's like, that's the shit that happens. Then Solo's involved, we get Jimmy coming out, we got Jay out, and then it's just a gigantic cluster of people in there, and then kind of we get to this kind of really constricted ending. I don't know if you guys ever remember, Chris, do you remember that SmackDown where there was like an eight-man or a ten-man tag, and basically everybody like ran out and hit their finishers, and then Stone Cold ended with a stunner? But it was like it's not like RVD was in the match, like Chris Jericho was in the match, like they all like... So Jericho hits the lion salt, and then somebody from the other team... It was like during the invasion angle... Somebody from the other team comes in, like Kurt Angle comes in and Angle slams him, and like I, I don't remember the order, but then Kane will come in and choke slam. Like that was one of the best SmackDowns I think I've ever seen, and that was one of the best endings to a SmackDown match. That's what I want to see in that SummerSlam. Not to say that everybody hits their finisher, but just that gigantic cluster of people where you didn't really know what was happening. And if you're watching my head, it was kind of like going like this, like left to right, like just I don't know what's happening. Like what the fuck's going on, right? Um, I think we need to kind of get caught in that, like, we don't want to know what's happening, I don't want to assume that somebody's going to win, I just want to see something crazy happen, and that's what it is, and then I'll be happy with that, so, I think that's my, uh... Yeah, and that's, I think I sent you guys that video a while ago, where everybody just, everybody just runs in, everybody hits a finisher, angle, 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 slams, turns around, gets rock bottom, rock bottom, rock gets, gets stone cold stunned. stunned. Everybody hit their finish right back to back to each other after they hit their finisher is great. Oh, yeah. You got Big Show coming in doing a choke slam. RVD is doing his frog splash. Like, it's just ridiculous all the way through when you're when you're kind of going through it. So um, good times. But, um, yeah, so SummerSlam is going to be a great show. Um, if you want to check any of the cards, there's numerous places you can look. We're not promoting any of these sites, uh, obviously, but you can look at Bleacher Report. You can look at WWE.com. Full card is on there. It's going to be a great show. If you're uh, from Ontario and you can head down to Detroit, Scalpers tickets are going to be crazy and get across the border quickly if you can to go attend the show. So should be uh, a very, very crazy show this weekend. Looking forward to it. But with that being said, um, we're going to kind of move away from the second biggest WWE PLE of the year and we're going to move into some topics that we've talked about in AEW. And there was a massive, massive, not a rumor, Something factual that happened today, which was um, Kenny Omega and the the Young Bucks and Hangman Adam Page re-signing all of their deals to multi-year deals with AEW. No longer on the WWE radar. Not going anywhere. Tony Khan has gone out and said it. The contracts are signed. The deal is done. Chris, is this, a, is this really going to solidify AEW's stance um, as a major player in the wrestling industry over the next five years? I would say so. I mean, they were, uh, they'd almost be dead in the water if all, if those four left. So, 
uh, for them to, I mean, we can't like, let's be realistic. I'm sure they got tons of offers from WWE for a lot of money and they chose to stay with where they are. Um, they, I, I don't know if any of the four would have any success in WWE, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, they're over, they're over to a different style of fan base as well. So, and we've seen what we've seen what WWE does to when they bring people in, they'll kind of showcase them as they are in their indie kind of in their persona. And then all of a sudden they just drive them to the ground and have them lose match, match on match on match. Um, especially with the young bucks, I think, and Kenny Omega, I mean, they've, they've done their time. They've, they've started their own wrestling business. I mean, they, they deserve to have a say in what they do. And, and I think this is, this is the place where they can do it. And I think they made the right decision. I'd have to agree with that. I think you're kind of looking at what it is. And uh, my question uh, kind of stems from uh, one of the Cody Rhodes documentary that recently happened. And obviously it's a WWE documentary. They have him saying a bunch of stuff and, um, I believe Triple H referred to AEW Josh as a as a second tier company or a second rate company. Um, when you look at what AEW has done now and what they're going to be doing in August, and now signing the Bucks, signing Kenny Omega, and also signing Hangman Page, four of the best wrestlers um, on planet fucking Earth, are are they a second tier to- promotion or are they basically you know vaulting ahead of WWE at that point? Are they there yet, or are they going to be on the verge of doing that, or are they not going to do it at all? Just like I, I don't consider AEW a second tier promotion. I just don't think that they're as successful financially and uh, as large worldwide as WWE. But that doesn't mean that they're a secondary promotion. In, in fact, they're they're the for pure wrestling fans. They're the primary promotion, in my opinion, because they give you exactly what you want. Um, the WWE promotes to a broader audience, and I think that um, for uh, those markets that aren't in North America or even just the U.S., I think that the AEW appeals to a broader audience because um, they, uh, you know, the wrestling fans abroad um, enjoy the pure sport and they enjoy the the aspect of wrestling more instead of like not to say the promos, but they they respect the art of wrestling and it's not just what you know the it's not just the fireworks it's it's what's happening on the ring and i think that i agree with chris is that and matt exactly that they would be underutilized in the wwe in fact they wouldn't be able to do what they do in the wwe because the wwe would ban a lot of their moves um their their effectiveness in the ring is because AEW allows them to be uh, the artists that they are and I think WWE doesn't allow for as much artistic input um, and uh, you know that's why uh, these wrestlers continue to stay with AEW and I think that's what's going to happen is that if these wrestlers believe in themselves and believe in the promotion the promotion's just going to get bigger and they're going to take little chunks out of WWE and if you look at just like what they're doing with with uh, London um, they're the, are they not the primary promotion in England now? WWE hasn't done what they did. WWE sure is going to try, and they're going to succeed. If WWE puts WrestleMania at London, they're going to go bigger, 100%. It's, it's because they're going to just uh, invest in it. But um, AEW is definitely giving them a run for their money. They're not a secondary promotion, but they're just not the, the biggest promotion. And 
and that's factual. I mean, what you just said about uh, the, you know AW in the UK—they're the number one. They're the number one wrestling show in the UK right now. <clears throat> and in in some cases, when it's coming to the stuff that we see with Dynamite and the ratings that are coming through, I mean, Dynamite effectively killed off a Wednesday night NXT, right? <laughs> like, honestly, like over a course of a month, like literally beat them every single show. Um. The ratings aren't necessarily comparable for what they have. They're going by demographics. They're going by the amount of viewships, and that's how they're trying to determine the winner. But I think when you're looking at the whole spectrum of what it is, I think like they're they're you're right. They're not a secondary promotion. They're they're your competitors. Um, but it's different from WCW. They're almost two different products. Like WCW and WWE, they tried to run the same demographic. Really, an attitude error at that point was what? TV 14. Um, it's not like that anymore for what you're looking at for WWE. It's a lower demographic. It's a family. It's kind of family-oriented where AEW is trying to go a little bit higher. And I think we've talked about that before. So they're not necessarily competing for the exact same demographic as much as they, they believe. They're just looking to be whoever's higher in the ratings, whoever's higher in this. Um but I think when we look at the long run, I think what you're going to find is I think WWE is going to become very petty with this. And I think uh, there will be a WrestleMania in London. If it's not this year, or sorry, if it's not next year, it'll be the year after. And they're going to really make sure that whatever number AEW comes up with, that they trash that number by 20%. And that's going to be the reality of it. And it's like, if I was Tony, I just wouldn't do another show in England like that, a big, big show at Wembley. For another couple years. And I wouldn't even try to beat their number. I would just kind of go under the bridge and just deal with it. Because WWE just tries to smash every other company into the ground. So that everybody can see their product. And, and that is not happening anymore. And that's not going to happen. Because they are basically, in my opinion. And not everybody's opinion. I'm not knocking anybody that watches WWE. But they're all about the storyline and the production value. And, and, and the product has suffered for the last couple years with that, right? So when we're looking in the long run for um, long-term wrestling growth, there's more of an upside with AEW than there actually is with WWE, and that seems really, really weird to say. Um, but WWE has well, exactly what you said, Josh, the money and the power to kind of push past that if they need that. Um, but they're not going to get people going in from the indies because in a lot of cases now, um, Kenny Omega actually had a quote where he said one of his favorite things that he gets to do as uh, as an executive vice president is to actually pay these guys enough money that they can support their families and, and for, to do what they love to do. And WWE doesn't necessarily care about any of the other people. So where are you going to go if you're a wrestler, you know, and, and, and to try and make it, are you going to go to AW or are you going to go to WWE? That, that's the way I look at it. Life that they have with, uh, the schedule, right? Like AEW schedule is not as hectic. These people who have families, they get to go back to their families. They can have, you know, parts of their lives not taken away from them. And I think that in today's day and age, um, especially because, you know, most of the, not most of the, but a lot of the wrestlers are men. Like in today's day and age, you know, the men are expected to be more participative in their families. And I think that they, they value it. If you just look at like how Dax Harwood talks about his daughter and like, you know, they all talk about their families like that. And even if they were a heel and you got them to cut it, they were talking, you know, in a, with an interview, they would talk about their families and talk about how important it is to them. And I think that is how AEW has the advantage of continuing to sign these big name wrestlers because like they're giving them something that WDB will never offer and and that's a like a reasonable schedule
and you're kind of seeing now where a lot of cases where a lot of wrestlers are not um, really indie wrestlers that have been around for a long time. Some of them are signing with WWE, but not as much as before. And even WWE are trying to use these next-in-line deals to come through. But like we talked about earlier, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, um, that they have a love for or a passion for the for the game, right? Like everybody else does. So it, it makes it really difficult. But it'll be interesting to see with... Uh, with the elite resigning, how that's going to kind of trickle down into the wrestling world, how that's going to trickle down, because it doesn't have just effects here in the uh, Canada and the U.S. and North America, and it really affects stuff that happens in Europe. It really affects what's happening overseas as well, and that's uh, a really important view when we look at that. All right, so other than that, guys, um, let's bring it to our second topic, which is basically going to be... We're going to talk about FTR and the uh, finals of the uh, tag tournament, uh, the blind tag tournament with MJF um, and Adam Cole. That was basically the final of that match that happened on Collision on Saturday night. Um, great match overall. I don't think it was as good as the uh, the best two out of three falls match with the guns. But as far as the tournament final goes, great match. A lot of back and forth. Um, close calls on the three. Obviously, we've had a couple really weird storylines with this, with, with Cole and MJF becoming best buddies. We've been talking about that on the show. Um, so when we look at kind of the overall outcome of what happened. Um, basically, FTR pulls it out um, with, you know, basically after a lot of the near falls, pulls it out, I think, with a roll-up just to kind of get over. Um, basically, I believe it's Cash that rolled up MJF. Um and it just makes it really, really tough when you're kind of looking at that match as a whole. Um, to finish off the match, MJF looked like he was destroyed. Um, Josh, when you kind of were watching this match, I, I know it was a good match. I think we discussed that. I know that you know that it's a good match. Did you honestly think that MJF was going to crank Adam Cole with the chair when he turned his back? Did you really expect him to have that big hug with Adam Cole at the end and them saying friends? Not not necessarily. I did think that there was going to be a turn. Um, I still think there's going to be a turn. I'm glad that they didn't do the turn yet. I think that the buildup is better uh, this way. Uh, I think it allows them to decide who turns and when it happens. Uh, also, I think that they're cognizant of their merchandise sales and like how over they are. It's like you don't want to give up on a story this big when you know that the bigger story is when they have a title match. Um, I think that FTR was going. That I thought that FTR was going to win from the beginning, um, and I, I think that it's it's interesting because the character arc of MJF is kind of like if this is his uh, face push, then you know he's doing a reasonable job at it. You know, like showing that he can have that character development. I really don't want to see it happen because I really really enjoy when he calls us a bunch of pores and uh, I love the MJF heel. I, I don't like, I don't want to see him turn face. Uh, <laughs> I think he's too good as a heel, but if he turns face, that's fine. Um, but I, I think ultimately he'll be, it could be, you know, they're kind of playing that like FTR is kind of more about a, tween, a tweener in this now, right? Because they were the, the heels in this match. And, you know, maybe they're, they're going back to the pinnacle and MJF, had, you know, said like, we're going to, I'm going to take the loss. It was a big plan. And, you know, then they kind of help him beat Adam Cole when he faces Adam Cole for the win. There's a chance. I don't think maybe FTR is not going to be heels, but uh, they were kind of heelish at the end. Yeah, I think they knew that they were going to have to kind of go through and they were kind of dealing with the face. And I think FTR has just such a great 
ability, regardless of where they are as tweeners, to kind of take over the heel position or to kind of be that face. Um, there's, there's something that we're kind of looking at right now where you're kind of talking, we're seeing like MJF's acting chops and his vulnerability, and I think that's really what it is. And he, like, he's kind of torn. He doesn't want to be opening up to people. He doesn't want people to see that vulnerability. Now, Chris, I know that um, this has been an interesting storyline going through, but do you think that there's potential for uh, kind of a really unique swerve here where Cole is the one that kind of screws over MJF and MJF stays as a face? Do you think that that's a direct possibility in this storyline? And if you had to give it an odds of it happening, what do you, do you think it's better than normal? Like, do you think it's above 50 or below 50? I think it's below 50. Um, <clears throat> I, I'd like it. Uh, I think Cole, Cole does great work as a heel. Like, Cole's, Cole's a fantastic heel when he, when he puts it on. And having that foil in, in MJF being a face would... I didn't really think about it until you just brought it up. So that, that'd be a really interesting thing to see. They could, could do a lot of, di- they could almost basically 180 it from what they were doing before they got together as a tag team. Uh, yeah, no, uh, that would be something that I would like to see. And I'm glad you brought that up. Cause, uh, I will be looking for that swerve <laughs> boundaries. You know, that's how it works. Right. But I think, it, I think it's a really cool storyline. I think it's, uh, I I I found I'm not gonna lie I think I found some of the 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 Cole and uh, the Cole and MGF stuff like it was like funny but it was also kind of cringy a little bit and I think that's part of what makes it kind of so unique and you know I, I I'm surprised Josh we haven't talked about like um you know the double clothesline as the finishing move and how weak it is as a finishing <laughs> move and uh, I'm surprised I, I I would probably rank that right up there with the Moxley did they stops, ever hit right? the clothesline for the um, win because I don't but, ever remember them hitting it. Yeah, I, they hit it for. I think they hit it for a two point nine on the on uh, in collision when he did it. Or the I know they missed twice. I think they they connected with it once, but um, I don't know if they. I think they got the win in the semifinal with it. But uh, wrestling fans, like pure wrestling fans, really ap- appreciate that like kind of like nod to like it's like you know like we know we're being ridiculous, but they kind of like the ridiculous satire, it's right? Kind of like, it, and they're doing it perfectly. Like if it wasn't like this, like you know, like that arc where even Adam Cole wouldn't let MJF touch him, and now clearly, like they're they're hugging it out, and they're not like he's like he's fully committed to being trustworthy with MJF. So it's good. All right. So we'll start the countdown. We did three WWE topics for SummerSlam. We did two AEW topics, and we got a generic topic tonight that I think will be kind of very, really interesting. We're going to talk about the NJPW G1 Climax Tournament that happens annually, um, which basically consists of a bunch of wrestlers. I can't remember if it's 24 to 30. I'm not going to be super specific here, guys. could be 32, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but a whole bunch of wrestlers split into four different blocks, and basically they have winning records, and uh, basically the top two, I think, are the winner of each block goes to the semifinals. It's a crazy tournament. It's like the NCAA or the Champions League tournament. My question really becomes this. That's a tournament that we've watched where the winner of that tournament ends up going to fight um, on at basically Wrestle Kingdom, which is basically the WrestleMania of NJPW, um, in the main event against the the world champion at that point. Um, We look at the Owen Hart tournament here, and I find it really weak. We look at the old school King of the Ring, and even... I watched... 
on the weekend I watched the 96 and 97 King of the Rings, where basically one of them, mankind, almost killed himself. Um, but uh, these tournaments seem to be really weak in the States. Now, my question would be, do you think it's a money-grabbing opportunity to have and really showcase the talent in your whole promotion by having a tournament like this stateside? Like, what what are your thoughts on that, Chris? Like, Chris, I know you've watched this tournament. I know we've talked about it in the past as being an amazing tournament. Do you think it could work in the United States, especially with how cable TV and PLEs work? Yeah, that's tough. I, I'm not too sure. And I, I love the G1 Climax. I mean, you see guys like Okada he'll he'll lose matches like because you you have to you have to win and it's points based so you you don't just wrestle one match and then move on you're basically wrestling a round robin format and you see top guys and njpw lose to guys who aren't top guys because uh you'll see a roll up or you'll see a swerve that wasn't supposed to happen but you will see those guys take losses but they'll still go on to win the tournament but you see that they're human and that they can lose at any time. Uh, would that work state size? State, sorry, state side. I think with the way we're programmed, I don't think, I don't think something that runs that long where you see somebody wrestle. Because here, if if the fans see somebody lose a match, they think, oh, it's game over. They've lost that match. In Japan, the fans are a little bit different, where they realize like you're you're going to possibly wrestle seven different people you're probably going to lose one of those matches um i like the king of the ring i i always did like the king of the ring but uh i just find the tournaments here stateside are just uh like sudden death sudden elimination i win i move on i win i move on um where i don't know could they inter- could somebody introduce something like that in AEW maybe it won't happen in WWE but on a, they've already tried kind of where they have they gotten away basically from the uh, wins and losses the records that they used to have. No, you know AW still does the wins and loss records. They're actually at the bottom of the screen. It's usually they uh, sometimes they put an all time record. Sometimes they put like the twenty twenty three record. Like it's usually the twenty twenty three record that they have. But even if you go on the website, the standings and the rankings and the win losses for the years are actually there. Okay, and that's what I like about the G1 climate, uh, Climax. Like, it, it matters. Wins and losses matter. It's it's not uh, it's not just I go and I, I win one match, I win two matches, and now I'm in the final. Yeah. So that's how I find they do it here. And would I like it more if they did it in the, the Climax style? I would, yeah. I think for me, yeah, it just makes it create so many different options to be more believable. You don't have to have a three-year Roman Reigns-esque you know, holding on to the title where, where he can lose and he can be fragile and actually lose a match and, you know, not have it be the end of the world of, like, this this crazy undefeated streak. Because, I mean, the reality is, is that even up to the pin against uh, Jey Uso, it's like it's a Goldberg-esque streak, right? And, like, I don't know what, what the fascination is with the United States about having this, you know, big, long streak. It seems to be doing that in every single sport where it's like we only want to see the undefeated guy and then he gets beat and then it's all of a sudden believable that he's going to lose on a regular basis. It's like the aura that surrounds it, right? 
Josh, do you think that there's more opportunity um, for companies to actually have a believable product at this point, if that's the case? And if you had to pick between WWE or AEW, which one do you think would uh, would benefit more from this tournament? I think AEW would benefit more because it would allow uh, you to develop some of those uh, younger wrestlers that they desperately need to uh develop into superstars right so it gives them the rub from those larger stars because you know like chris was saying it allows a wrestler to lose without actually losing um i also agree with chris about the you know like the north american or maybe just the american attitude about like a one and done like you know eliminator style matches where you know you've got to be the best all the time and that's how you determine who's the best but like in reality a lot of these things are more like a marathon and you know having the ability to be well-rounded and come back it, like that's part of what wrestling is about and i think that i agree with you matt um it might have you know been a, a salami topic at some point but that really we're seeing this um the best they're they're trying to you know prolong everybody everybody's titles and you know saying like this is the longest reigning this this is the longest reigning champion of this and it's it's getting boring and is it just because wwe really doesn't have any other wrestlers that they're willing to push and give the limelight to and i think that's really truly what it is is they've invested in a few stars and um so i think that uh, aew would benefit more from this and i think that they could pull it off um but yeah i have a feeling that they both would i think wwe if you if you were actually bringing nxt stars for this tournament and actually brought them into the mix and you could have some really unique things that happen um, and if you were to bring them in now, you'd have guys like Braun Breaker, you'd have guys like Carmelo, like even like somebody that would be great for that tournament that would be hilarious would be like the Don Tony D'Angelo. Like it, there's just so many little things that you can have in there. And even if the Don goes one and three, it doesn't matter. Like it, you can kind of see how he's going to look under those big lights on a SmackDown on a Friday night or how he's going to look on a Monday night instead of having them in these dark matches um, that are there that really doesn't give you any inclination if the fans are going to like them or love them. You actually get real-time data by looking at those guys in those in those things in a tournament like that. So I look at AEW and I look at their product. I actually think I lean more towards it would benefit the WWE more if they did it. Um, but will they do it? I think they would probably be um, the second out of the two that would. I think AEW would do it over there, them, and I think that's just the, the kind of the ironic part of it, right? Um, I think that's the rigidity of the WWE. And because it's so rigid, you're never going to be able to look through, um, you're not going to be able to look through the, the magnifying glass at, um, a box and look like outside of the box or look differently at whatever you're looking at. And that's, that's the problem. And I think a lot of other promotions right now are willing to do that. And I think you're even seeing success with some of the indie promotions like, uh, GCW. You're seeing a lot of stuff with... Um, you know, whatever it is, progress and some different ones like that too, right? Like seeing a lot of success because they're willing to look outside the box. So, Josh, do us a big, big favor here, buddy. We're going into Boston. We're going into the deli. Tell us what slices your salami. Um, so this weekend slices my salami. Um, I'm getting tired of the leg slaps. Uh, there's, you know, 40 leg slaps in every match. Um, clearly know what a punch sounds like. We know what a kick sounds like. 
Um, I don't know why an elbow sounds like a slap. Um, I think I even saw someone slap themselves without anything happening the other day. Uh, even a slap isn't a slap anymore. I'm not sure. All I know is the we're there we're being trained to to expect a leg slap i'm okay with not hearing the noise i think that the move can just be as devastating without the slaps in fact the best slaps are when you can clearly see the kick misses the face because the camera didn't turn correctly and yet they still make a noise maybe maybe it's the like the you know like the crack of the whip their leg moved so quickly that it made a a snap um, but uh, yeah, the leg slaps need to stop or at least need to be uh, reduced. And yeah, that's it. That's what slices his salami. Good point. You know what? Leg slaps have been a topic of discussion like uh, a lot. I remember Vince, I, Chris, I think we remember Vince at one point, I think, completely banned them. He thought they were just so ridiculously stupid. I, I personally like them, but I find them kind of like what you said. They're, they're It's like tope suicidas. They're very frequent. <laughs> so, um, but that being said, you know, we're coming into the long weekend here. We're coming into our civic holiday uh, for uh, the month of August here in Canada and Ontario or whatever. Um, so, cheers, boys. I hope you have a couple brews this weekend. I hope everything goes well and that uh, we have a great week. For everybody else out there, Radio Podcast Land, again, you can find us on all major outlets. You can find us on Spotify, Google Play, yada, 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 YouTube, Discord, all those things. Find us, follow us, hit that subscribe button. It helps us out. You can also hit us up at the rub wrestling at outlook.com. That's a great way to connect with us if you want to, or to let us know of any rumors or anything that you want to talk about on the show, because we will gladly do it. We love to hear from you. So thank you so much. Um, I know that we've had some higher, a little bit uh, higher viewership rate as of recently. So for all the new viewers that are out there listening, thank you very much for listening. Gentlemen, anything you'd like to add? All right. No, I'm good. So with that being said, wherever you are in the world tonight, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. We all bid you adieu. Bang.